1: The Athletic.
2: The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake-off.
1: Hello and welcome to Handbreak off the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Ian Stone. This week, I'm joined by Amy Lawrence and Art de Roche. Hello, guys. Oh, yeah. Hi Ian. Hello. Well, two one nil wins. It's a slightly different vibe, I think, is what the kids say, right? Slightly more upbeat. We're into what is it? Thirteenth place at the moment. Spurs have lost back to back games as well. Uh, things are looking up, are they not? Aren't you said as when we sort of uh, just signed up uh, to start doing the pod that you were feeling quite optimistic?
3: Yeah, I think. In the early weeks of the season, I was probably the most cautious of us, maybe. But yeah, I think going into this week, it's, uh, there's reason to be happy. So I'm not going to try and just bring some negative vibes, as we'll say, no. to the podcast.
1: <laughs> no, not right now. I think they've had enough of that, haven't they, Amy? I mean, we had to do pods after the Chelsea and Man City game and after Brentford as well. So it's it's nice to be happy, isn't it? It's The whole point is winning games, yeah? Well, it's always nice to be happy, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you sound it as well Amy and that's the great thing. Um courtesy of a Martin Odegaard free kick 1-0 win. Um Aaron Ramsdale got the headlines though I think uh th- how he commanded his area, how his uh, distribution was better, how the fact that he can just kick a bit further than Burnt Leno. So, um, changed the shape of the opposition. We were thinking about this. There were a lot of Arsenal fans. Uh, I wasn't one of them. I've got to be honest. I was pleased that he was coming, and I'm, I am feel I feel vindicated, if I'm honest with you. Um, but has there been a player, uh, because we're talking about Ramsdale, has there been a player... Who's changed your perceptions very quickly after they've
2: arrived. Uh, Amy, do you have a player like that? I'm going to go for another goalkeeper. And I'm going to go back in the old memory banks to um, another goalkeeper who was getting a little bit of stick before he signed when all the rumours were going on, which was one David Seaman. Hmm. For those who can remember, and I'll explain a little bit for those maybe a bit younger than that, but John Lukic was the Arsenal goalie, for been there for a number of years and was a pretty popular guy and a pretty popular goalkeeper. And uh, George Graham decided that David Seaman was the best. He was playing for QPR and he went out and signed him for a million quid and that basically meant that John Lukic got shunted aside. And people, the Arsenal fan base did not like this situation to start with. It was. It, 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 Dave Seaman came in, and people just, you know, the layman behind the goal. I include myself in that. Didn't think that David Seaman was anything that special and worthy of elbowing out a guy who had won the league with Arsenal the year before and was was very well well liked. So it was a a, a funny one, and I remember, I might have told the story before. So sorry if I'm repeating myself, but the. Fans used to do this thing with John Lukic where they used to ask him to do the twist before the game as part of the kind of pre-match, get everyone in the mood thing. And he was always a bit embarrassed, but, you know, they'd go, Johnny, Johnny, do the twist and he'd sort of wiggle his bum. (laughs) And it it was popular. And uh, (laughs) Dave Seaman signed in the summer of 1990 and on the pre-season tour of Sweden... Where about thirty oddball Arsenal fans, and again I include myself in that, travelled over to Scandinavia to watch these games in little local stadiums outside Gothenburg, and uh, Dave Seaman made his first appearance in an Arsenal shirt. And I think there was a little bit of nervousness because of the, you know, he wasn't perceived to be welcomed by the Arsenal support, and so these, uh, you know, our bunch of oddballs started to to shout Seaman, Seaman, do the twist at him, and being from Yorkshire. He sort of gave us a bit of a look. And I think one of the lads, uh, one of the players turned around and sort of explained, and he rather sheepishly did a sort of like little bum wiggle and everybody clapped. And that was that, you know, the, the relationship changed. And of course, David Seaman won the title with Arsenal, conceding, I think, a, almost the the record ever uh, of goals conceded. I think it was 18 clean sheets and the record was 16. And went on to become... Probably the greatest goalkeeper that Arsenal have ever had. Now, I'm not saying that the same thing's going to happen to Aaron Ramsdale, although everyone would be pleased if he turns out to be the next greatest goalkeeper that Arsenal's ever had. But he certainly has um, become so popular so quickly. And I think that the manner that he expresses himself on the pitch uh, is clearly a big part of his game and is a very helpful part of his game as far as Arsenal is concerned. Because defensively, and if you include the whole kind of goalkeeper back four or five and defensive midfield sort of scenario for the last few years, has not been blessed with too many what you might call very demonstrative. No, Prepared to sort of stand up and make their presence felt, not just for their own team, but make sure that the opposition know that there's a presence in there as well, that you don't really, you know, get away with, you know, messing around with and there's a a gunner blog pointed james pointed to a terrific photograph uh, on twitter where ramsdale is kind of going getting right in there when tierney's on the floor and he's sort of got his his big hand in some burnley giant's chest who's obviously trying to intimidate tierney while he's down on the floor and putting yourself in there for your teammates coming out, being brave, using your voice, uh, using your body, organising, enthusing enthusing and encouraging and controlling those around you. This seems to be stuff that is very natural in Ramsdale and this is not stuff that's been particularly natural in Arsenal defensively for a while. So I think that's why everybody's took one look at it and thought, this is fantastic and is quite rightly giving him the credit and it's very, very pleasant to see how much he's enjoying it.
1: Well, we'll talk more uh, about Aaron Ramsdale in a second. Art, do you have a player who changed uh, your perception very, very quickly? I mean, this could go the other way as well. You thought he was <laughs> going to be brilliant and he turned out to be rubbish. But um, what have you got?
3: My one's not an Arsenal legend like David Seaman, but more, I guess you'd call it a cult hero um, in Danny Welbeck. Because <laughs> I remember back to that, I guess, deadline day, it was 2014, where he hadn't really been getting a look in under... Louis van Gaal at Manchester United and then I think it was between Arsenal and Tottenham uh, who were trying to sign him and he obviously chose Arsenal and from I guess the outside at that time it just seemed quite weird like why are Arsenal going for Danny Welbeck you don't really need him but I think debut was against Manchester City he almost scored but he didn't and then hat-trick against Galatasaray in the Champions League and I think that as well as just his kind of his character is very bubbly person and at that time there was a lot of I guess behind the scenes footage on say YouTube and um, apps like Snapchat as well <laughs> um, yeah. and Danny Welbeck was kind of always the player that was in and around it and I remember um, there's an app called Vine as well. It doesn't exist anymore. But um, that's where I think he coined the term that guy Welbs. <laughs> and right. um, I think, yeah, he was just a player that I think very quickly, he became quite a quick fan favourite. And uh, I guess the Leicester goal is what everyone re- will remember him for. But he also scored quite a few against Manchester United. So I think, yeah, he's the he's the player that springs to mind in terms of just yeah, it seemed like an unnecessary signing, but then once he was through the door, he was, <laughs> everyone just kind of drew to him, fans and uh, players alike. So he's my selection.
1: <laughs> I mean, it is, you, you, again, you're talking about fan connection, aren't you, really? In this particular case, a younger demographic, but the same sort of thing. You need something to hold on to, and um, there's no doubt that Ramsdale has certainly uh, done that in the first few games. I'm having uh, Emmanuel Petit. Um, by the way, in this. I was never that big a fan of ponytails. I had I had one for a while, and uh, I got quite a lot of stick for it. So when this bloke turned up with the ponytail, I thought, really? I like central midfield. And he was so tough. So tough and such a brilliant player and, and, and melded so well with Patrick Vieira. And we could all sing, he's blond, he's quick, his name's a porno flick, and we all enjoyed that as well. So I'm having uh, Emmanuel Petit for... A player who did change my perceptions very, very quickly. ended up absolutely loving, loving him. And my God, he's a good-looking man as well. I saw him up close <laughs> at some <laughs> dinner, and wow, just goodness me, Emmanuel. Uh, anyway, one uh, Stony,
2: Stoney, sorry, sorry to, to butt in here. Um, there's just a lot of questions that came to mind oh, as it? you were going through that. Does it matter? First all, I'd, 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 yeah, well, I'd quite like to know a bit more about your ponytail. Like what type? <laughs> you know, what we're talking here—rat's tail or uh, you well, know. <laughs> I have no idea what you mean by that.
1: I had very long hair. I had very long hair. There's a point with a ponytail where you have to, um, it it, it all sort of, you end up with sort of curtains because it doesn't quite tie up at the back. And that obviously is a look that nobody wants. Uh, Certainly not now, but even back then. And then I got the ponytail, but I just got, my, my face does not work with all the hair pulled back off it. That's the point I'm making. I mean, I'm growing into it as time has gone on, but uh, it's not ideal. So I'm just uh, interested
2: I... as well that we're talking about these players and perceptions, and two of the three are ponytailed, famously pony players. Dave. Seaman That's well, a fair point. Do you know I mean, what's <laughs> going on here? You know, <laughs> ponytail.
1: Well, maybe um, it's our, certainly yeah. with me. It was my prejudice against the ponytail, which, which made me think, oh, I don't, not another one. I hadn't think. Dave Seaman's from Yorkshire. You know what I mean? So I sort of felt he was a he was um. I don't know. I, I felt he'd be fine, but with a, a Frenchman with a ponytail, that's just too much. I think. I have,
2: I have to say, with Davey, I, I, I remember <laughs> like when he joined. The word I'm not sure I'd ever heard the word phlegmatic too often before, but like no. everybody described him as the phlegmatic Yorkshireman. Like that was a, a thing, and and I I realised how often I probably wrote that as if it was like you almost had to you had to say he was phlegmatic.
1: Yeah. Isn't everyone from Yorkshire quite phlegmatic? I mean, but you certainly like that. Sorry, that was a massive uh, uh, generalisation. You you certainly want that in a goalkeeper, though, don't you? Yeah, I mean, that's the point. You want someone who is calm and who. who well, this will, is
2: interesting because uh, this is we're talking about Ramsdale. I'm from what we've seen so far. I don't. I don't know. Is he? I don't know if he's got phlegmatic about him. He seems to be quite quite a little bit kind of cocky and feisty almost which I like but that seems to be opposite to phlegmatic
1: yeah all right I mean do you know I actually don't know I think he was very (laughs) I think he was very very calm uh with all these massive Burnley blokes crowding him certainly in the last five minutes uh when they were sort of pumping balls into the area which is their want. well let's talk about that by the way uh if you want to read uh what Amy and Art and James who's on the show uh have written in the last week or two. You can subscribe to The Athletic. Go to athletic.com forward slash Arsenal pod and you can get a third off subscription today. That's theathletic.com forward slash Arsenal pod. Third off subscription today. 1-0 to the Arsenal. We obviously expected to beat Norwich really um Burnley away is another matter there has always been the perception has there not Amy that we actually it's a struggle up there but in general we do get a result albeit it can be it's it's not a fun afternoon is it
2: well no I mean it it, yeah it was good to get the result obviously but um it's not it's not it's not a I think there's always that nervousness and I think given the way that Arsenal started the season and the pressure that was on and the n- number of new players, there was just that sense of how much are they going to be be in a position to relish the fight, you know, the fight for the right to play. And again, it, it, James, who's not here, who's probably going to get mentioned a lot on this pod because he says lots of wise things, but he pointed out that he felt that playing... Ramsdale and um, Tomiyasu against Norwich was done with Burnley in mind so Mm. trying to get this sort of back five as Art pointed out in his piece plus Thomas uh, you know Thomas Party, which kind of makes a sort of six getting that foundation in place was something that is, is partly geared towards these kind of matches where there's going to be that enhanced level of physicality, that enhanced level of aerial challenge. How can Arsenal resist that and be resilient towards that? And it's going to be part of this uh, evolution of this team, really, is to see how once you can get that back part of the team a little bit more solid, can they then add the flourish and be more expressive and be more expansive on top of that and obviously getting the two things to work hand in hand is not there yet however for burnley it was pretty important to make sure that that defensive side was on point and not just ramsdale gabriel as well in particular needs mentioning for you know a really colossal performance it needed to be his capacity to he is a big big lad who has a, you know that appetite to be putting you know making sure he's first to the ball and making sure that he wants to win his duels? Let's just say, and he I thought he was terrific and, and vital, and having that out ball for party was vital. So there's the beginnings of that kind of spine that allowed Arsenal to withstand what Burnley were inevitably going to throw at them.
1: Yeah, I mean, Art, oh, this is the first choice back six now, isn't it? with Tommy Asu and T N E and White and Gab- and Gabrielle and Ramsdale behind them and Pate in front of them, right?
3: Yeah, I think uh, with Gabrielle especially, you see, I guess, how much he does relish that physical side of the game. There was, I'm not sure if the TV cameras picked it up, but there was a moment in the first half where <laughs> Ashley Barnes is just trying to wrestle him and the ball is nowhere near them. Um, and he just stands his ground and then Barnes just runs offside. Um, yes. And... Hopefully the TV cameras picked that up. I'm not sure if they did, but that you was just You wrote a about this. You wrote about yeah, this in your piece. Um, I saw this. That was just one of the moments that kind of showed how, I guess, comfortable Gabriel was in that element. And I remember last season, obviously his debut was at Fulham. So not a, a massive test, but then his next game was uh, at the Emirates against uh, Mikel Antonio up front. And that was a much more physical introduction to Premier League life. And he passed that with flying colours. And I think that's an area that we've seen, I guess, the difference between him and Pablo Mari in the opening weeks of this season. Whereas Pablo Mari wasn't really depended upon in those situations against Brentford or Chelsea. Uh, you could depend on Gabriel. And one image that just kind of sticks in my mind from the Burnley game was um, Tomiyasu. I think he was in the second half uh Burnley tried to slide a ball down the touchline and he's done this kind of like sliding knee slide interception block yes uh it just looked so I don't know uh unconventional but it got the job done and I think that kind of speaks to just the way he approached the game he was very active in his defending one uh multiple headers against Chris Wood obviously he's six foot two so he's got the physical frame to to withstand those challenges. And I thought he was... uh Him and Gabrielle were key. And there was that w- also that moment in the uh, first half where the ball is flicked behind the defence and both of those two are the players yes. that block the shot. So those two fill me with confidence. It's just about, yeah, like Amy said, what happens when they move the ball into Partey, Partey moves it even further forward and then the players... <laughs> the attacking players just have to do their jobs, basically. One um, thing,
1: one thing at a time, though. Art, you know. Let's, <laughs> I mean, we lost the first three games, and our centre-ars were bullied. Basically, well, certainly in the games against Brentford and Chelsea. By the way, Brentford, they, you know, I saw Ivan Tony bully whoever the Wolves centre-ars were the other day. I mean, d- did we, did we get too head up watching that Brentford game? I don't think it was a great performance at all, but. Brentford aren't a bad side at all. They're going to beat teams pretty well.
3: Potentially, but I, I'd still be inclined to stick with the criticisms from that game. I do think <laughs> Ivan Tony... yeah, is right. Well said, right. <laughs> yeah, Fair enough, I'm just asking
2: the question. Come on, I'm, you I'm can't be something re- revisionist <laughs> saying, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. but just because Ivan Tony's yeah. strong, that Arsenal are allowed to lose 2-0 on the opening game of the season. No, yeah. and they didn't play well.
1: <laughs> I, agree. I agree. I'm agree. i just putting it out there, right? You're absolutely fine to shoot me down, we're right? We're putting now, it you back mentioned... in
2: your face. I'm getting that.
1: I'm getting that. Returned. Like, it was like an Emma I Raducanu it's what, forehand. It's what my grandma sorry,
2: used, to, used to call, ask a stupid question.
1: Yeah, you're probably right, you know. And uh, your grandma, sorry, was probably right. Uh, bless her. Um, Tommy Yasu won 100% of his aerial duels. I like his stats, Amy. Six foot two as well. He provides an outlet for Ramsdale when we're looking. It sort of reminds me a bit of Bakari Sandia, who used to win all those headers as well, right in front of us uh, quite often. And it used to really scare me when he'd go up because it was a very physical encounter. But Tommy Asu has a similar physicality, I think,
2: in the air anyway. Well, that that kind of physicality in the fullback area has been absent, I think, for a while. So, it's definitely going to be a, a bit of a, a kind of transformation potentially. There's a lot on him to to be responsible for that. You know, he's very new coming into a new league. There's a lot, you know. Most most people are generally allowed, allowed and afforded some adaptation time. You know, he literally signed, turned up straight off a plane from playing an an international match for Japan, had like a couple training sessions straight into the team, straight into a game like Burnley away where he obviously had to compete uh, in a physical way. And, um, you know, the games are coming immediately for him. And he's obviously got to build up relationships with the players alongside him, behind him and in front of him. So there's a lot going on uh, and settling into just life here. It's it's helpful that he he seems to speak pretty decent English because you know that can be hard for, for someone coming from a country where they don't have hardly any other language so that will help him a lot and uh, well Amy d- sorry on that mm-hmm. point Gabriel
1: um I think Arteta mentioned that Gabriel has has uh, his English has got a lot better so he can communicate with the back four in the same way I mean it surely it's something that when players come in don't they need a crash course just so they can talk to each other because communication is key
2: well, i think they not? do i mean i think i think obviously the kind of very basics of the international football language uh, you know a lot of it's there anyway it's not rocket science to learn sort of you know man on offside sort of like a various yeah. sort of technical terminology in any language i think let him know you're um, there in japanese <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, I'm quite intrigued by, you know, as, again, hearkening to what I was saying before, it's not, you know, obviously his priority will be making sure he does his defensive duties uh, strongly as as his priority. But from there, it's about those, you know, building a relationship with, say, Pepe in front of him or Smith-Rowe or Odegaard if they come and party. And the, the players that he's hopefully playing some forward passes to as well to develop some of those combinations. So... That's kind of step two of his integration, but uh he's obviously come in and made a good first impression, which is terrific because it was a problem position. you know it seems mad that only what two or three weeks ago Arsenal had what four or five potential right backs, and none of them felt felt appropriate no no um well
1: anyway, it's great that that uh, that he seems to have slotted in quite as well as he has let's talk about Aaron Ramsdale. I mean, he did dominate his box, didn't he? I mean, he was basically, he was coming to claim staff. He was vocal. His distribution was good. Three games in, he's the first choice goalkeeper now, isn't he?
3: Yeah, I, I don't see any reason to drop him. Maybe there's deba- debate Sorry for the Wimbledon game, but for Tottenham, I don't really see any logical reason to switch the formula now uh, when you finally got two clean sheets in a row. And I think, The word
1: that's
3: West Brom. Oh yeah, with West Brom. I just had Premier League in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. I think the word that just comes to mind when I've watched him. So I think I. So I was at West Brom and Burnley, and he just seems assured in pretty much everything he does. When he has the ball, he knows what's uh, what to do. Whether that's a short pass into Thomas Partey to build an attack, or just hitting it long to Nicholas Pepe or Bukayo Saka to just take some pressure off the, the back line. And then, as you mentioned, there were a lot of corners, a lot of crosses late on in the Burnley game. And no matter how much Burnley tried to pack the box, he always seemed to come out on top and come out with the ball. So I, I do think that he's probably number one at the moment. But like we've seen with Burn Leno, Emmy Martinez, it, it, it could just go like that. I think even before... Before the game, Mikel Arteta said, what you did three months ago in football doesn't matter now. So uh, he's just going to have to keep impressing, keep looking as assured as he has been. And uh, I'm guessing he would keep his place, but Bert Leno's not a bad goalkeeper. So so he's going to have to keep on his game.
2: Do you think perceptions would have been different if the VAR hadn't overturned the penalty decision?
3: Um, so first look, I actually thought it was a penalty just because of how quickly it went. And then I think it was first replay. I thought it, that's not a pen, but I, oh. I think that if it was given, then I I do see, say, the instant reaction from, say, social media. <laughs> um, I think that could have, I guess... Had an impact.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but come on, Art. I mean, listen. Instant reaction from social media is not that. That's not analysis. That's just emotion we're talking about there. I mean, I I saw it, and my first thought was, I think he's got a touch to that. And then when I saw the first replay, I went, Oh, yes, he has. That's not a pen. But even if it was given as a penalty, that's Ben White. That's on Ben White. That one. That and and also not water in the pitch or whatever Burnley do to try and make it more difficult for the opposition. But you know that's on ben white is it not
3: yeah i think like ben white was the play in the wrong well say in the wrong the if you want to use the pitch excuse uh you can but <laughs> yeah. um i i just think that with how seeing how Twitter has been <laughs> in the past few years i i wouldn't have been surprised if ramsdale would have got some of the stick from that
1: Yeah, we're a bit too quick, aren't we, Amy, to to criticise players. I mean, it's not helpful, is it, in any way? Maybe it helps the people on social media when they uh, they start venting about a particular player. But Aaron Ramsdale's 20, what is he, 23 years old. The average age of that defence is 22.8, I read this morning. Um, These players need encouragement, don't they? And they're going to come up against tough tests and they need a bit of support.
2: Well, I think that he's had great support so far. Certainly, in, as far as in the stadium, so yeah. uh, every every game, I think there's been a lot of um, a, a, a kind of positive emotion that's been transferred in both directions there. But what I, I was kind of uh, looking at Ramsdale's um, back history uh, earlier on today, and I, th- I really think it's uh, sometimes it gives players a little something extra. Let's just say if they've had to work their way. Through it, and probably face lots of difficulties along the way. You know, he is only twenty three, but when you look about what he what he's had to do so far in his career to get to this point, he starts off as a kid in Bolton's academy, and then gets signed by Sheffield United, and and doesn't get much of a look in. But he's still a teenager, and is then signed for Bournemouth. So he up uproots and goes to live in you know on the south coast. Then very quickly after that, he's on loan at Chesterfield, and then he has another loan at AFC Wimbledon again, moving to sort of different part of the country. He's just a kid, you know, out there on his own, like trying to make his way in the game. Back to Sheffield United, and now and then he's signed by Arsenal. I mean, he's had to really work and face all sorts of kind of challenges to get this, if you like, really big break to be playing for a. Uh, you know, an elite Premier League team. I, I nearly said the word top there, but then remembered where we are in the league. Um, <laughs> A top 13 club. yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but when you've had to graft to, you know, to, to, yes. to get there, it, sometimes it gives you that little bit of extra internal motivation and determination. You know, it, it's not come easily for him. I, I I think that probably contributes a little bit to his character. And I think he looks like he's got enough that he can cope. And we talk about earlier, I mentioned David Seaman and, you know, here was a guy who for the best part of 20 years is producing top performance after top performance. But to some people out there, probably especially non-Arsenal fans, if you mention David Seaman, they think of, you know, Ronald, Naeem we'll from the halfway line or Gascoigne's yeah. free kick or Ronaldinho in the World Cup, you know, those moments that are perceived as, you know, as big errors or, or, or big moments, uh, you know, on him, that against him. And you do have to have ridiculous levels of mental toughness to be a goalkeeper and be able to take those moments when you're in the spotlight for the wrong reason just chuck them in the bin and, and try and stay positive and forward-looking and from what you from what you gauge from watching Ramsdale's personality, hopefully he looks like he's got a bit of that about him where he'll be able to manage those moments of adversity when they come, which they inevitably will at some point because that's life. If yeah, because he's been
1: through them. Because he's been through them. Exactly. Yeah, and he might have to now. go
2: through some more. But you know, it's 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 encouraging that he. I think he's got hopefully a character that that will stand him in good stead for just, you know, improving and having appetite for whatever the game throws at him. Yeah. Um,
1: I mean, listen, the the attack, there there were moments that really worked. Absolutely stunning free kick from uh, Martin Odegaard. Um, and hopefully it'll all come together uh, in uh, fine style next Sunday. Well, we actually have Wimbledon first in the uh, Carabao. Uh, if we beat, uh, our, I was saying to you, if we beat Spurs uh, 3-0 on Sunday, we go above them. Um, after our absolutely appalling start to the season and their amazing start to the season. <laughs> uh, it's, it's strange how quickly football can turn around. How long before Mikel Arteta do you think will
3: feel secure in the job? It's weird because even when Arsenal were going through that terrible run at the start of the season, it didn't feel like he was at risk because when you think back to, I think I've mentioned it before, November December last year they Arsenal didn't even really flinch when it came to his position so i think especially with how how they backed him in the summer in terms of financially with signings, i don't think he would have yeah i don't think he yeah. would have yeah, felt his job was at risk um i, I think he would have felt that he would always get that chance after the september international break so i think for him he he was probably just waiting uh, until September came uh, so he could start to do what he wanted to do. But I, I would say that, especially externally, there is definitely expectation to, to climb the table as quickly as possible and uh, to, to keep oh, that yeah. winning momentum going against Tottenham.
1: I mean, before the North London derby, we got Wimbledon uh, on Wednesday night. are you you going down there? You think you will see um a lot of changes? I mean, Amy has said on this um, program in the past, we need to have a proper run in the Carabao cup, and this is not the same as when we used to introduce the 16 year olds and we'll go, oh, look, Ces Fabregas. He's brilliant in front of 60,000 <laughs> at the Emirates. It's a slightly different thing now.
3: Yeah. I, I do still think there's enough depth in terms of first team, first team players to have decent rotation. So say, Bernd Leno, then you've got uh, Nuno Tavares left back, you can change the centre-backs as well. Alex Lacazette still needs his first start of the season, I think. So there's definitely, I guess, room to rotate with still, I guess, a competitive squad that should get through. If you're looking for, say, those younger players to make debuts, I don't think it would be from the start. It would probably be more likely off the bench. So I guess the players that fans are probably most expectant to see players like Charlie Patino, Omari Hutchinson who both played in the behind closed doors friendly against Brentford a few weeks back and
2: And the win um,
3: (laughs) yeah the win yeah (laughs) and um, have continued to perform well for the under 23s so those two are probably the two that spring to mind as I guess most immediate to make the step up from 23s to first team but then you've also got to think about Flo Balogun who's played for the 23s two weekends in a row now um, and scored four goals. (laughs) So um, he definitely needs some first team football as does Eddie and Ketia. So I think, yeah, it's just um, a matter of what kind of shape Arteta goes for as well. Does he keep the 4-3-3 and just play one striker? Because he's got, I guess, three strikers that need minutes and which one he goes for, how... How long they'd be on the pitch for is also quite an interesting thing to think about because they are in a situation where they don't, they don't have European football to give them proper consistent minutes in the in the first team. So yeah, they need they need to be in the Carabao Cup as long as possible to give these guys, I guess, reps you would call them, and stay stay sharp.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, Amy, I I know. I think James actually said that it feels like an international break every week now because uh, we play a game and then we have a whole week's break. At least this week, we got uh, we got a game on Wednesday night. I mean, I feel less... I don't need to see too many of the young kids playing on Wednesday because I feel like we've got a very young team playing at the weekends anyway.
2: I think it's more about the development of those particular individuals. Yeah. And I think if someone like Patino or Hutchinson is at that stage of their career where are actually making their debut... Means something as a stepping stone, then it's valid for that reason. You know, I think it'd be a pity for them to be held back from those opportunities just because the rest of the team's quite young. I think you've got to manage an entire squad and all their needs, but yeah, there's there's plenty of you know. I think I think people can ima- imagine a lot of the the names that will be playing sort of an El Neni Lacazette, sort of Chambers holding sort of. Players who have been less involved in the last couple of weeks, but who are very much established first team, you'd, you'd expect probably all of those to feature. Uh, and clearly, the, the thing that intrigues me most probably is what's going through Burnt Leno's head, actually, if he suddenly gets selected for the Carabao Cup. Well, he knows, what doesn't is he? His second, third round. Uh, yeah, of course he knows, yeah. uh, but. You know, it's it's probably not a situation he's faced all that often. Um, and I don't know whether he would have... I, I'd be curious to know how much the conversations went, if at all, during the summer and how much kind of awareness there would be on the part of Burnt Leno that someone was coming that would potentially take his place as quickly as he did. Uh, I, I mean, the well, general thing I'd thinking... say most, most people Sorry, were of the opinion that that during the course of this season, the sort of, you know, Ramsdale would get his chances and, you know, at some point probably be getting in there on a kind of equal footing and and trying to take the shirt. But, I mean, it it, it was almost ruthless the way he signed, he started it and he stayed in. Good. Yeah, but possibly games. that wasn't expected on the part of Leno, that's all I'm saying. But you know he's a good pro, and I'm sure he will get on with it. But I, I imagine that he might he might be thinking that he wants to move on sooner rather than later. So we'll see how that situation develops in time. But um, yeah, you know it, it, it's fascinating in a way that that obviously there was such a a, a a drama and a dilemma of sorts when it was that the summer after the uh, twenty uh, twenty FA Cup, and it was. A question of Martinez versus Leno, and you know, would Martinez ended up going, and lots of people thought he should have stayed and Leno should have gone. Although I'm not, you know, you know, like all these things, you need serious bids for players to leave. They don't just leave, even if you might want them to. But for Leno to have sort of seen off the challenge of Martinez in the way that he did, essentially, because there sort of was a choice to make for for the club it's interesting that not that long after he's facing sort of the same, he's got another challenger who seems to have kind of knocked him out of the way very, very quickly.
1: Yeah. I mean, ruthlessness goes both ways, doesn't it, really? Let's be fair. Because it was pretty ruthless that Emmy, having had such a brilliant end to that season and won the FA Cup, and suddenly, no, you're the reserves again. And That is how it goes. But that's what we want. We want a bit of competition for places, which we seem to have got at this point. This is Handbrake Off, uh, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to Michelobultra.com slash courtside to learn more.
3: We better bit uh, with the handbrake at time.
1: This is Ian Stone here with Art De Rocher and Amy Lawrence uh, on Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast for The Athletic. There was a rumor, it was quite a strong rumor going around uh, Amy, that Jack Wilson may come back and train with the club for a while while he looks for another signing. Uh it's um it's it's all a bit sad, isn't it, really? What's
2: happened with Jack? Extremely. Um I think we spoke a little bit about this not so long ago on the pod when he did the interview with David Ornstein. Yeah. Um but what a talent, obviously. It would just be great to see him back playing the highest level of football that he can as consistently as he can. I felt at the time that it it was only right really that Arsenal should open their doors and have him trained there for you know if, if he wanted to and needed to. As Arsene Wenger used to do repeatedly with, you know, all sorts of players who were In unusual situations and in need of some fitness or just being around a club and and, and some good, solid work. So I would say that if there was an opportunity to get Jack in the building this week, that would be a massive plus. I like the idea that he would be perhaps in the dressing room, having a few chats with people, perhaps letting them know a little bit about what he thinks of Tottenham.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think you're right i think that is the point isn't it really art it's, you look, want
2: it's a lot of new around. players there's there's six yes. new players it's important that everybody understands exactly what's on the line on the weekend exactly
1: i mean i mean first of all Art, just tell thomas part Partey not to wander off when spurs are attacking <laughs> right?
3: that'd be a good yeah, start definitely. <laughs> yeah i think um I think me and Amy were talking about this a little bit earlier. Um, And from the current players, I guess you can class Kieran Tierney as someone who's experienced like fierce derbies with Celtic and Rangers. But in terms of Arsenal players, Alex Lacazette is probably the one that stands out most as someone who's a consistent performer, not just in terms of scoring goals, but I guess the emotional performance as well when it comes to playing Tottenham. Apart from him, I I just... Not that again. The soft kind of label is very lazy, but I just feel like sometimes it can be just another game at times. But I do feel that, say, if Jack Wilshere was to come back into the dressing room, I know, Mikel Arteta was quite reluctant to say he'd return in a playing capacity last week. Um, what even oh, if he, Willie, Let's be fair. <laughs> um, even if he was. Nah, nah. <laughs> um, even if he was just around to, as Amy says, have chats with players and let them know what this is all about, that would be amazing because you have such a new a new backline, a new squad. And I think the, the Emirates will be very up for that. It's just about how up for it the players are as well and how they feed off that emotion that's in the stadium. I think the... Probably the game that sticks out is, I guess, in recent memory, is the 4 oh, 2 under Unai Emery. Great, yeah. Um, yeah. Where I think they had a great balance of players who still <laughs> understood what it was and new players. So you had Pierre Mikabamiang, who I guess you'd class as a new player, Alex Lacazette, but you also had Adam- Aaron Ramsey there, Hector Bellerin. Aaron Ramsey obviously had that little (laughs) tussle or I guess we'll call it a tussle with uh, Eric Dier. Matteo Guendouzi bought into it as well. So I'm hoping for something similar to that. But um, I guess we'd have to see. We have to see what happens.
2: (laughs) Wouldn't you just take a crappy 1-0 where a goal goes in off someone's ass and everyone clings on for dear life? Well,
1: and tomorrow <laughs> I, I would bite your hand off. But I, like I said, I want a 3-0 and move above them, to be honest with you. I think it would be absolutely marvellous if we do that. <laughs> Cannot wait for Sunday. Uh, but obviously, like I say, let's not get carried away. We've got Wednesday first. Um, Let's have a song to end. I, I'm going to start, by the way. I was... Aaron Ramsdale, really, I was really impressed with him. I, like I say, I, I was pleased that he came to the club and I wanted him to do well. And the fact that he has started so well and got such a connection with the fans. And uh, so I've gone for solid, uh, Ashford and Simpson. Uh, it's actually about love, but you know what? So's this, in a way.
2: So I'm having solid by Ashford and Simpson. Uh, Amy, what are you having? Uh, it reminds me of when Paul Merson, we were talking about something uh, to do with 89, and he described the back four, and he went, They were all a bit Ashford and Simpson. I thought that was good. <laughs> um, Outstanding. Yeah. Uh, I'm also going to pick a song for Aaron Ramsdale, and I, I'm going for The Tide Is High. I'll go for yes. the original Paragon's version. I'm going to be your number one, as the lyrics say. <laughs> nice <laughs> i'm not the kind of guy who gives up just like that oh no oh
1: no <laughs> oh
3: no <laughs> all right lovely uh art what are you having uh i think today's like a new week good start to the week good end to last week so i'm going to keep it simple and go with good morning by kanye west just to open the week out nicely
1: Lovely. This has been Handbreak Off uh, the Arsenal Podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Thank you to Amy Lawrence. Thank you to Art Roche And thank you to Abby, our producer. I'm Ian Stone. And uh, enjoy the week, everyone. See ya.